1: Good morning, everybody. I am Nick Sigelski, and I am your host for today's special Club Playbook episode, where we are going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is doing the opposite in sales. And many of you have heard me say before that you can't be perceived to be better until you're first perceived to be different. And today we're going to take that one step further, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite guiding principles as a salesperson, which is anytime I don't know how to handle a situation, Situation as a seller, I think, well, what would your run of the mill, average, typical salesperson do in this scenario? And then I do the opposite of that because most salespeople, they ain't that good. You probably know people on your team. There's probably people you've worked with before. If you ask anyone who's not in sales what they picture your average salesperson to be like, I hate to tell you, but the perception isn't very good. And so you can immediately differentiate as a salesperson and be way more successful if you just do the opposite. And so today, I am going to talk about some ways that you can do the opposite in three different areas or domains of sales. The first is going to be in prospecting, ways you can do the opposite in prospecting. The second is going to be ways you can do the opposite in working your deals. And then the last will be ways you can do the opposite in the way and the rhythm in which you run your sales day and navigate life as a seller. And so let's hit this thing a three, a two, a one. The opposite is Armand ain't on this one. Let's roll the tape. Okay, let's begin with prospecting. So, number one under prospecting is how frequently you reach out to or touch new prospects most salespeople are terrified of ticking their prospects off by reaching out too frequently. They'll cite angry emails from prospects where they say, oh, you know, this person got mad that I reached out three times in a week. And what they do is they put all of their prospects on this weird, like, once-a-week drip. And maybe if they're feeling bold and they really want to get in contact with someone, they hit them every four days. And the problem with that is you're not distinguishing from marketing at all. It seems like you're a marketing drip. And your job as a salesperson is to spike on your prospect's radar and communicate to them yo, I'm a real human being who's reaching out to you, a real human being, for a very specific reason. And so for that reason, doing the opposite of most salespeople means that your prospecting outreach should be pretty dang dense. If you are looking for what best practice looks like, we actually sat down with Charlotte Johnson, another club member, and we documented what her sales cadence outreach sequence looks like. And so you can get that in the show notes, go grab it. But general rule of thumb, is every two to three days, sometimes even more frequently, especially in the beginning of your outreach to someone, you should be hitting your prospects on phone and email and LinkedIn. Your job is to get on their radar and get a response and know that prospects are gonna react negatively no matter how frequently or infrequently you reach out. So get on their radar, get a response and do not let yourself become a drip marketer. You are a salesperson. That brings us to our next one, which is the philosophy around giving up on prospects. Most salespeople, they take pride in never giving up on their prospects, and they'll cite some study that they read on LinkedIn that says, oh, you know, it takes 832 touches to get a response from your ideal prospect. Or they might cite an anecdotal story about, you know, I kept calling this prospect and calling this prospect on a 136th cold call. They finally responded, and we booked a meeting. And they take pride in the fact that they never quit. They never give up on their prospects. and. The opposite of that is giving up on prospects that aren't responding to you. The best salespeople abide by the law of diminishing returns. And what that means is if you've been hitting a prospect hard for 30 days using that Charlotte Johnson sequence, which is linked in the show notes. Give up on them and reallocate your effort into contacting somebody new. There is no shame in giving up when you're at the point of trying to get blood from a stone. It is okay to give up on prospects, both in the prospecting side of things, but also when you're working deals, which you you shouldn't be as a professional follow-upper. If a deal ain't moving, if a prospect isn't responding, give up and reallocate that effort into prospects that are legitimate. My last one under the prospecting section is beliefs and behavior around social selling. Most salespeople believe that traditional social selling is an important part of their prospecting mix. And so they're resharing news articles on their LinkedIn feed that they're reading about industry news, or they're occasionally posting company announcements on their LinkedIn page because they connected with some prospects. And well, won't that make me a prospect magnet eventually? I'm going to build a community around myself by posting on LinkedIn. And I'm sorry, but you are not booking meetings because you are reposting articles about digital transformation in the healthcare industry. Your prospects don't care about your thinly veiled attempts to magnetize them into your inbox to get some deals closed. What the opposite of this looks like is real social selling is indeed leaning on a community to help you break into accounts, but just randomly, sporadically posting on LinkedIn and trying to build a brand is the digital transformation in the healthcare industry guy. That ain't it. Instead... You should be leaning on the real community that already exists, not trying to build a new one. And that community, good news, your company has one. It's the people who work at your company, and it's your customers. And so my recommendation here is, instead of posting on LinkedIn a couple times a week with that news article about digital transformation, instead... Ditch that and reallocate your time into doing what I call a referral blitz once a week. And what you're going to do is you're going to contact former customers, you're going to contact former prospects that didn't buy, and you're going to contact your wonderful friends and customer success, and you are going to ask them to make direct introductions to the people that you want to speak with. You're not going to send them this lame message, oh, do you know anybody who's looking for a solution that looks like this? No, don't do that. Instead, find someone that they're connected with that you want to talk to and be extremely direct. I literally will message people and I'll say, hey, I see that you're connected to this person, And I'd like to talk with them about advertising with 30 Minutes to Presidents Club. Would you be open to introducing us? And seven times out of ten... Even if I'm talking to a prospect that hasn't bought from me before, even if I'm talking to a random person that I'm connected with on LinkedIn that I don't even really know, they say yes and they make the freaking introduction. And seven times out of 10, getting a yes and getting an introduction is a heck of a lot better than me trying to optimize my personalized email or even breakthrough on a cold call. And that is what social selling looks like. It's actually leaning on your network and your community and just directly asking people, not expecting them to come to you because you're occasionally posting on the internet. Okay, I'll take a breath and we will move on to working deals. And so the first one under working deals is the idea and the beliefs around next steps. Most salespeople always, always, always set a next step. It's the number one rule of sales, right? You always end your meetings with the next step on the books. It's how you keep your deals moving. Well, the opposite of that is recognizing that most salespeople totally overcorrect on next steps. And if you're working with the prospect and a deal isn't there, you should not be fighting to get a next step on the calendar. You're going to, one, come across as sort of desperate and annoying, and two, even if you get a placeholder invite on the calendar in six weeks that they sort of ambivalently agree to, they're going to push. And when you get to that meeting, they're going to no-show you, or they're going to reschedule last minute, and now you're going to have to deal with a bunch of annoying calendar management, which is going to muck up your day. And so instead of always getting a next step before you get to a next step. You've got to do the first part of what Armand calls the five minute drill, which is at the end of a meeting in those last five minutes, the first question you've got to ask them is, do you want to buy? And you don't ask it that way. You say something like, Hey, you know, we just we met for 25 minutes, how are you feeling? Or you might say something like, Dave, you know, we're coming up on time. How do you feel about continuing to explore this together? What you're doing at the end of a meeting, before you get a next step, is you should be pulse checking with the customer. And if they're like, yeah, I want to keep exploring this, great. It's easy to get a next step. But if the answer is no, or the answer, they're a little bit ambivalent, they're not sure about, oh, I feel like we got to talk to the team, what most salespeople do is they push and push and push to get that next step. But instead, if you get an ambivalent response at the end of a meeting, you should be asking, okay, well, like, how are you feeling on, like, should we be putting time on the books to reconnect after you talk with the team? Like, what's your gut telling you? Get them to be the one saying, yeah, we should reconnect. And if they're still ambivalent there and they're like, ah, yeah, you know, I'm not sure... Do not push and fight to get on their calendar it's a no. I'm sorry. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And you should let them go and move on to real prospects. It's okay to not get a next step on a deal that isn't real in the first place. The next one in the list of working deals is trying to come across as intelligent to your prospects, which seems sort of weird because if you think about it, of course you want your prospects to think you're smart and with it. But most salespeople make an error here. And what they do is when the prospect says something that they don't understand, they just move on in the conversation, or they say, oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha, and they keep going. It's okay if you tell the prospect, I haven't heard that term before, what does that mean? Or, hey, I'm I'm a little confused, I haven't heard it explained that way, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Or, Hey, you know, Dave, do you think you could clarify what you just said? I feel like I missed something, and I I really want to make sure that I'm fully understanding your situation. It is okay to tell your prospect that you missed something or you misunderstood something or you haven't heard a term used before. That is what yields really effective discovery. How can you discover something if you are acting like you understand when you really don't. So stop trying to appear as if you are this all-seeing being and tell your customer if you don't understand something. They will help fill in the gaps for you. The last one under the working deals section is fighting to win negotiations. What most sellers do is they take pride in never losing a negotiation. They read the book, never split the difference, and they've got their accusation audits, and they know how to hold their ground, and they are stubborn. They are not giving up a dollar if they don't have to give up a dollar. And the best salespeople actually recognize that it's okay to, quote, lose a negotiation in favor of getting the deal done. Here's a quick story. This was back when I sold Legal Tech. I was once working a deal where we'd come down with a prospect, and we landed on a price of $5,000 a month. That's what they were going to pay us for the software we were going to sell them. And at the end of the quarter, the prospect came and they said, hey, Nick, we are ready to sign, and if you get us a contract, we'll sign this thing this week if you guys can get to $4,800 a month. And my blood was boiling because we'd already come down in price. We'd already had an agreement. And I was like, I know we can get you at 5K. I know we can get you at 5K. And I'm going to fight for that extra $200 a month you're going to pay. And then I sat down with my CRO and we did the math together. And the extra $2,400, $200 a month times 12 in ARR that we would have booked, had I held my ground, would have yielded me a whopping $240 in commissions. And I'm order a lot of guacamole with $240, but it wasn't going to be worth all of the headache and the stress and the fact that time does kill all deals. And so I ended up closing the deal at 4,800 bucks, washed my hands of it, and I was able to use all of that time and emotional energy to prospect other accounts and focus on winning other deals. And I ended up making a lot more money that, $240 of commission that I would have gotten had I fought to hold my ground. So know that it's okay sometimes to just get a deal done and not always have to match what you read in your negotiation course online. Okay, so this ends the working the deals section. And we're going to move to the last piece, which is how you run your sales day, how you navigate life as a seller. The first one under this section is related to CRM hygiene, which, if you think about what most salespeople do, they neglect their CRM and then they get on their weekly team meeting and they haven't filled out the stuff that they know their boss looks at and they look like a total buffoon to their boss and the rest of the team. And they decide, "Ah, I'm one of those those begrudged sellers who, I don't fill out the CRM, that's a waste of time. I need to be talking to customers. I'm sorry, if it matters to your boss, it's gotta matter to you, unless you prefer stunted career growth. And so what you shouldn't be doing is finding all 432 fields in your CRM that you could update for every customer and prospect and deal and fill those out. Instead, figure out the five to six fields that your boss actually cares about, you might consider even asking them, and find out when they look at that stuff And then keep that updated and batch it once a week, update the stuff they're going to look at, and you're not always going to be 100% perfect. There's going to be times where you miss something, fine, but if you can 80-20 this and most of the time get your CRM hygiene right, you are going to look like a superstar to your boss. And I hate to tell you this, but that matters. The next one here under running your sales day is communication preferences. Most salespeople live on email. It's the number one way that they communicate with their prospects. And if a prospect emails them, well, of course they're going to email back. What the best salespeople do is they avoid email at all costs. Whenever possible, you should be opting for a live conversation with your prospects. And what that looks like is if a customer emails you and they say, Hey, Nick, I've got a couple questions around how your product works. Here's question one, two, and three. Thanks. What you shouldn't do is spend the next 46 minutes drafting a perfect email response. Instead, pick up the phone and call them and say, Mike, I got your note. It looks like you had a couple questions. I thought it might be easier to give you a buzz. And you would be amazed at the outcome of this. One, you get way better shared understanding between you and the customer. Two, it is going to be a far more effective communication from a speed perspective. Instead of an email to them that takes 46 minutes and an email back from them the next day and well, you've got to clarify and now you're sending screenshots, you can hammer all of that out in a conversation and understand what actually matters to them. So whenever possible, avoid Avoid this back and forth email ping-ponging. Email is great as a prospecting tool. Email is great for coordinating meetings with your prospects. Email is great for documenting, hey, we had this conversation and here were the three things that we talked about. Email is not great for when you and your prospect need to do a little bit more creative conversation. And so in those scenarios, get off of email and call your dang prospects. The last one here under living life as a salesperson, running your sales day is Mistaking activity for achievement. Most salespeople mistake activity for achievement. And I was guilty of this in my first ever sales job. When I was a new rep, I cared deeply about being at the top of the activity leaderboard. I was not going home unless I was at the top of the dial list. And there's a great management quote that says, what gets measured gets managed. And I spent way too much time managing winning that number that didn't really move the needle. And so what that looks like is when you mistake activity for achievement, you care more about calling the same prospect 92 times in a quarter because you got to win the dial competition than you do around giving up on prospects that aren't responding and are probably never going to respond and finding new people to reach out to. And so, abandon the belief that activity equals achievement, and instead, recognize that your job exists to accomplish outcomes. We can't control the outcomes, we can control the inputs, not the outcomes, but you still should be thinking critically about those inputs, and thinking, are they actually yielding results, or am I just spinning my wheels? And so there we have it, folks. Today, we talked about a bunch of ways that we could do the opposite. In prospecting, we talked about having density to our outreach and not being afraid of ticking our prospects off when we're reaching out to them. Know that people are going to be annoyed whether you reach out every four days or three days or two days or even every day. And so I recommend you go download the Charlotte Johnson sequence that we documented for some of the best practices around dense outreach. The next one there was we talked around giving up on prospects that just are not yielding anything and moving on to other prospecting activities. And then the last piece was around social selling instead of just posting on LinkedIn a bunch, actually leaning on your network of your company and your prospects and your customers for referrals in and doing a referral blitz as a prospecting activity. Underneath the working deals section, we talked about next steps and how the bestsellers sometimes will say, hey, I'm not going to get a next step with this account because I don't think it's worth my time. We also talked about coming across as intelligent to your prospects and how it's okay to Ask for clarification or tell them what you didn't understand. And we also talked about it's okay to sometimes lose a negotiation in favor of getting the deal done. And in the last section, running your sales day, we talked about keep the dang CRM updated, 80-20 it, figure out what your boss cares about and do that. We talked about communication preferences. The phone will almost Always be email, especially when you are working your pipeline. And then we talked about do not mistake activity for achievement. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. Nick over and out.
0: And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with RocketReach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes.